Oh, I think even a leaky old goblin ship has the equivalent of ventilation shafts. Welcome to the Hoovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. I, I, I think I forgot. No, I'm Jeremy. And Colin is wishing you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. The Church on Ruby Road, which is the Christmas special from 2023, Doctor Who, is what we're talking about today. And Merry Christmas as well, from me. Alright, so let's dive it right into the meat of the matter, the Doctor's Outfit. Now, which one? Huh? Now, personally, I was real stoked to see the very, you know, David Tennant esque long, you know, leather coat thing with the sneakers and you know, kind of the casual semi dress wear type thing going. But I hear that that's not going to be continuing it. No. No, this is uh, just one of many outfits that the doctor's going to showcase, apparently, because this doctor can't make up his mind on what he's actually wearing. Thank God. I was so worried that Disney wouldn't have enough merchandise to sell. <laughs> yeah, just more things for people to actually buy. I think, though, it's it's not a bad thing. I mean, like, he's going to be doing more period pieces, but it seems like uh, one outfit shows up a bit more often. Maybe that will be the case overall. We'll find out. I don't but know. It's, it, but you know what? What's wrong with the Doctor Who accessorizes? Oh, I'm no, fine with that. I just really like the, the coat. <laughs> yeah, and, and we. But but honestly, I, I do think that there might be a problem with too much accessorizing. But it's not really too much. It's it's uh you know going jumping from one to another to another. Is and, and and I haven't seen it all yet, and it may make sense, and mm-hmm. may maybe uh, is is very good. But I feel like we have few constants to rely on from doctor to doctor and one is that we always seem to get a costume out of it there's a new doctor cosplay how is it going to go down next year you know you just have to pick one of these costumes yeah will will one of them be iconic enough to know that it was nudie god was doctor well to be fair in this particular story um it was shifting from day to day to day so that's why the doctor actually had different outfits i mean it is nice that this doctor changes clothes from day to day (laughs) i don't know how time lords perspire or what else you know goes on in you know their hygiene but we also um, has a tardis so he may not have all 24 hours guys this doctor can dance yeah and sing yeah on the dance floor like he was he was on the dance floor. I have to bring up the singing. I, I think the original worry that a lot of people had was that this was going to be an all musical event adventure, and there wasn't, and we weren't going to be really truly introduced to Ruby in the in the proper way. 
Um, I didn't have a problem at all with this uh, little musical number because it was addressing the Goblin King in a very creative and fun way. And, uh, yeah, I mean, both Ruby and um, the Doctor can sing, which is... Yeah, I mean, if they were singing every scene about what was going on, that would be an issue for me. But I, I think, if anything, I think it really kept with the spirit of, you know, goblins. You know, yeah. they're just kind of like... Out to have fun. They're killing a baby in this gleeful, <laughs> cheerful way. Or they're having a party about it. Bringing up that idea, though, I have to wonder, are these really goblins or gremlins? Be- well, I think go- goblins. I, stealing goblins stealing babies. I think, pretty- I think the, well, the mischievousness, I think it's a though. bit of a mix of both. Or it might also be the fact that maybe goblin, gremlins and goblins are interchangeable different, in different places. Hmm? Because... Huh? You're right. This felt more gremlin-y in that sense, but the baby part felt more goblin-y. Yeah. So, I agree. I agree. I'm just saying that there were definitely some gremlin-like attributes to these creatures. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the, overall, like, the style felt like it reminded me a bit of gremlins in sense, but a much more cartoon and softer version of gremlins. Yeah, it felt very goblin to me. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe pointing your teeth, but I think this was a, a picture of a lot of classic goblins to me so the one thing i i was thinking about was i felt the musical was in felt like almost like an, an ode to the goblin king of labyrinth oh very much so because of that that would be a reason to have having a musical note like uh, that he, he's not a myth he's an actual thing well and you also had this kind of overall labyrinth look where they're all where all these like Muppet-like creatures are all jumping around, swinging back and forth, and throwing Getting themselves all over the place. Getting pierced by the spires of churches. <laughs> I mean... But, I mean, it was very—it was a nod to the labyrinth, very yeah. easily. Okay, nice. Definitely. I love some of the writing in this, in terms of the language used. Like, um, the goblins were time writers. And the doctor's now discovering the language of luck. And all these very odd scientific things he's not quite sure of because, well... Yeah, I like that they, um, you know, took a leap away from the science, you know, for the sake of a story. I think that this is fun. Um, I, I could easily, I think, get upset with some of the descriptions of like, oh, it's just another type of physics. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just like, these are just how the gloves work. All the matter is right here in this glove for my body. But if we reverse it... Then all the matter from everywhere goes into my glove or something. Right, like, yeah, like uh, I didn't get like, the how did we get heavier pit yeah. part. It yeah. was not explained in an accurate way from, you know, any any human knowledge of physics. Also, who leaves, I mean, we all have seen people with their phones, they leave a 15% charge or whatever, but how much juice do those things use? Because he, you would think you would go into your day with a 100% charged glove. He's the doctor. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you, you're going to expect to use them to, like, down a goblin ship. Yeah. He also just said, he, it's also possibly just invented them, because he just was saying to Ruby, you while on the ladder. your gloves when you first well, invented them. Well, they may have been fully charged. Maybe they run out of juice really quickly. I mean, clearly he <laughs> went to uh, very quickly uh, reinvent his own sonic screwdriver. Less screwdrivery, but... Or like a computer mouse. That was one of the, my one of the things I thought we already had, the new screw... Like, I this doctor's an artificer. Yeah. I will say I do not like the new Sonic. It does not look like a screwdriver. It shouldn't even be called a screwdriver. As a matter of fact, they even made fun of it by having Ruby actually ask, that's a screwdriver? Which, to be fair, was the only way to do that. But, yeah, I also don't like it. It, it, it doesn't quite fit 
even for I, I feel like it it kind of undermines Shudi Gatwa's Fifteenth Doctor a little because it kind of takes him out of the whole I've got this really cool looking device screwdriver thing. Yeah, maybe less silly to have just given him a glass with some orange juice and vodka, and, you know, that beeped and made some noises. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I see, and I, I mentioned this earlier, that to me what we are getting right now with the doc, with this with this new Doctor is another reboot. It, it, it had, I mean, he, he at one point he was wearing a leather jacket, which, which made me think of Eccleston and the, the very, our first real big reboot of the Doctor Who uh, pan universe, right? Um, I feel this is trying to be that as well. It's now we even got Rose 2.0. Oh my god, we got Rose 2.0 and not Clara 2.0. No. I still see a combination of Clara and well, Rose. Clara 2.0 is uh, Mrs. Flood. Mrs. <laughs> Flood is Clara. Mrs. Flood is something because there, I, on, my, on my today's video, I say Clara Jess just to poke, poke at you. I know you do. But to get down to Mrs. Flood, I have so many questions about her. But I have one answer. She took that damn gold tooth. I know it was her. No, I don't... I, I'm not sure that was her. The main thing I know... I, is I don't know. I just point, see, like... We saw, like, a, an older woman's yeah. hand grab that thing. Oh, and we, we saw a hand. I don't remember it being older. Matter of fact, it had red nail polish on yeah, it. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't think it was older. I don't okay. think it was... Old people maybe, can wear red nail polish. Maybe I'm wrong, yeah. but I... I thought it looked like an older well, man. Maybe maybe I need to see it again. So. The reason why I say there's red just... nail polish is because Kate Stewart was wearing red nail polish in the same exact episode that that hand was in. So a lot of people are wondering if Kate, in some way or form, either had a time-traveling incident or something. I, it could be anybody, honestly. So, I don't think it's... I don't think it's the only thing I'm, I'm the main I'm thing I'm thinking about is that one point Mrs. There. Flood seemed generally confused about what the TARDIS was at first, and, and then it disappeared, and then he went back, did time travel, he did his timey wimey <clears throat> stuff, came back, and then she was a lot more on board. You know what it seemed like to me is she knew very well what a TARDIS was, but had never met the Doctor before. That yeah, could be it too. because she was like. Who are you? And was yeah. shocked to see the blue police box dematerialize, but then was like, yeah, it's a TARDIS, whatever. Yeah. So, like, maybe she's a time lady or, you know, like, like a new character. Could we finally meet? Um, or maybe it's Timey Wimey. Who did the Doctor leave behind way back in the 70s or 60s? Didn't he? A lot of people. Are you <laughs> thinking Susan? Yeah, thinking about Susan. Although she's was left in a much later point in time in history, so it wouldn't really make much sense. Well, sure it would. I mean, it's Doctor Who. There's time travel. There's Susan's always Susan's a time lady. There, there's always time to you know go back. To. Is she actually, or is she just go through? That was not actually established. In... She's a bi generation of Ronnie. <laughs> well, this is also the it's not the At Ronnie. Point, I know that it is now very much forcefully. Reminded Canon that the Doctor is not exactly a Time Lord in the same manner as which we have always understood it. By the way, I just wanted to bring up a point that the BBC do not own the rights to the Ronnie, and so many times the the Doctor Who public always are like, "Hey, I think the Ronnie's coming back. I think the Ronnie's coming back." The Ronnie is not coming back. She, they don't have the rights to have her back. Even Big Finish has had to stop using the who, Ronnie. Who has the rights? 
Nobody. The rights were retained by the next of kin of Pip and Jane Baker, who originally wrote The Mark of the Rani and developed the Rani. So that's the, the somebody. That doesn't sound like nobody. No, I know, but they. <laughs> but the thing is, is that they Not nobody BBC. ever had the BBC never actually went out to try and get the rights to the Rani. Yeah, I hear that's true about a lot of you know so-called canon characters that are very close to Doctor Who. A lot of BBC characters are. You know, I mean, Terry Nation's estate there. still owns the Daleks, so the Daleks can only be used if Terry Nation's estate say, yes, we'll allow the Daleks in the Doctor Who universe at this point. Um, it's kind of silly for them not to because they make money off of it, but, <laughs> I mean, it's just You've some people just... things. I mean, if you go back a, a little bit earlier, we, we lost the ability to watch An Unearthly Child, the very first Doctor Who story, because of the son of Anthony Coburn, which I already had mentioned. If I was, like, you know, the grandchild of an estate or something like that, I, Daleks would be in Super Smash Brothers. They'd be right <laughs> along, you know, Mario and Luigi in, in racing games. They would be everywhere, I am telling you. Well, actually, they did make it over to Warner Brothers because there was a, um, a Looney Tunes movie that Space starred, that starred uh, Brendan Fraser, and the Daleks were in that one because uh, all these aliens from all over the place, including Marvin the Martian, show up, and the Daleks actually are in that exact movie right next to Brendan Fraser. Marvin the Martian? The I think they did. I think <laughs> no. they did. Act, well, they definitely exterminated pe- something in there. They may have actually done something to Marvin, but I don't, all I remember is that they were there and they were all in their grand glory of going around yelling exterminate. All right. If we can go back to this uh, episode, the church sure. on Ruby Road, uh, I just want to circle back on the writing. I thought there were a lot of great moments here, a very, very doctor moments of we have, you know, Ruby being like, oh, I'm just clumsy. And the doctor's like, no, it's so much worse than that. And just vanishing. Like, (laughs) classic. And then, you know, we've got him sprinting along the roof, hurtling every chimney and being like, who just jumps onto a ladder? It's like literally you and all of your best friends. And (laughs) in a way, it seems like we should, like, lightly push her off the ladder. Oh, my God, yeah, when he joins her there. And it's... uh, it was it was really it was really great that the way that they they met. Yeah, but like, fantastic doctor portrayal too. Just it seems effortlessly uh, charismatic. I yeah I love him as the doctor. He's yeah. he's great. You know I don't love the you know rose like you know clear sexual attraction on yeah. her part at least. It looked very love at first sight. You know. I mean, did you see those Madame's moves? I mean, yeah, but Smile. like, you know. And the way that kilt, well, he wore that kilt. Come on. I mean, I mean, he did wear it. I mean, let's put it this way. She doesn't know anything about him, so she's only got him to look at. And to be fair, her mother and her grandmother also look at him. Well, at least her grandmother did and got a little bit of a thrill just by having him in her bedroom, which well, I mean, is like, a nod back to Jackie Tyler, of course, with the Ninth Doctor. Yeah, and I mean, yes, obviously he is an attractive man, especially compared to the other doctors in the hall. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, you know, attractive. like, just like from a story standpoint, this is like we bring in another, you know, short, cute, blonde girl who's infatuated with the doctor and lives with her mom and runs off. you like, there's a lot of very, like, I mean, even in one of Rose's first stories, she's hanging off of the ladder of a weather balloon in a dangerous yeah. situation. I mean, like, like, sex sells, but I feel like my favorite doctor moments have been, like, just so overtly platonic. Like we we like know, every moment with Donna, 
<laughs> yes. Oh, done and yeah, wonderful times. Yeah. And but Bill and Capaldi just out the gate. I mean, oh, yeah, they were great. But I think what works for me is when, no matter what, the Doctor is platonic. Like, yeah. like that was the one thing. Like, Matt Smith is also actually considered to be a very, very, very attractive man. People loved him and very much into him. But he never sold anything other than platonic. Like, I don't oh, know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I see and hear a lot of interpretations of like him being too close to Amy. With Tara, there, there is a point where he's like watching her walk away and he's just like, you know, she's a mystery wrapped in enigma, wrapped in a skirt that's just a little too tight. And like he catches himself grinning at that. So like he notices. <laughs> He notices is, but I believe that the Doctor's been traditionally an asexual character. First of all, it's a family show, so you're well, not going to... I think the Doctor's always been into women. Well, I agree with that, and I think that would be something that should continue. Um, and a lot of people actually did point out that he made a comment about Harry Houdini in this particular story, where he had a really hot summer. That could be just an off-the-wall comment that it was literally... Uh, 90 degree summer that he was spent with Harry Houdini for all we know. Yeah. I'm yeah, not... Honestly, how I interpreted that was that it was like a really crazy situation that they were in together. Well, and that makes but... sense because the third doctor himself actually I'm talked a lot well. about it being around Harry Houdini. So, oh, it was the third doctor? Yeah, I yeah. can see that going And around. he, and I, I don't really have a problem with that and I don't really think that matters. I think what matters is that the doctor is still traveling with a female assistant just as it always has been. Companion. And uh, or yeah, a companion or a friend or how, whatever you want to talk call them. But it just flight attendants. I, there you go. Foundling. <laughs> Foundling. <laughs> uh, that was a cute word. Um, but I just I feel like too much emphasis uh, from the Doctor Who crowd is it's not really giving credit to the fact that this just felt more like Doctor Who did than probably all of the last five years. And yeah. that was a good thing. Although, one, th I will give one criticism to this particular episode. And that is the direction of it. Felt a little bit choppy, a little bit odd, and a little bit weird. There were certain moments where I just felt like everything just stops. And you're just like, okay, and... Um, and I think I know they were trying to go with more of the less dialogue kind of acting, and I get that. But there were just some very awkward moments that just didn't make sense, and it was towards the middle and towards the end. And I'm, I don't mean to say that it was necessarily bad. You it mean just, like, oh, we're off the goblin ship? It's it's kind of resolved now. Hmm, let's wait. Uh, something we know something's going to happen. Ball well, and the, when the doctor goes there. back into Ruby's house, there were a few moments where he's just kind of standing there and he's just kind of looking. And the the awkward moment when Rose, uh, Ruby's mother. Uh, foster mother walks in and they're just kind of trying to hide something but it's like well why the baby's right there what do you what's why are you arguing and and all over the place with her coming in it just didn't make unless it's because she, he's there and he's just an addition to the household yeah i think it was I more know, that I, and i, I feel like it would have been so easy to just be like this is my friend it, it felt yeah. really smooth oh. to me I, I know there were like some starts and stops but well, I, I felt that I know you're talking. I know he's talking, and I agree with you. It didn't feel bad. It just felt intentional, like it was trying to discomfort us. That's how I took that. Yeah, out. I actually took it a little bit of like the other way. Like I liked how like you know we were in the heart of the goblin mess, and like okay, we know you're just gonna get out of here, so let's let's just get out of here. 
It just seemed like, oh, it was time. It felt like it was resolved. And then we got into the next match, you know, with the goblet. It, it felt structured in a way that made sense to me. Even if, you know, it was a little bit of a, you know, start-stop kind of pacing. I think it it worked for me, at least. So I, what do we think about uh, Ruby's Origins? Well, this is uh, something that's been mentioned quite a bit online, too, is that Russell T. Davies is kind of going back to his 2005 roots where he's kind of throwing little things in there. And Stephen Moffat did this, too. He's throwing little little things in there that probably mean a lot more than they probably should. Or maybe they don't. Maybe it's just something that wants that he's trying to throw you off on. But the person that was walking towards the church definitely seemed to be female. And one thing that was pointed out was that this person's wearing brown boots, very similar to a certain incarnation of the doctor. That'd be, I feel like we didn't get a great picture. If that was also, it was snowing. Like really boots are usually sweat. better on snowy days. Right, but they also you know, had their legs exposed, and it looked like they had pants that no, were similar. Was, that was a dress. Capris. Yeah, that was a solid dress. Possibly, but I didn't. I mean, there, there's, there's definitely a solid picture out there that, that if you look at the shoes and you look at thirteen shoes, and they look very similar. It, it, a, I'm not saying yeah. that's what it is. I'm just now, saying now from, a, from a story day. standpoint, it makes a lot of sense because we saw the doctor come out and see, and actually have an opportunity to go over and talk to possibly, you know, Ruby's mother or whoever it was who abandoned her and chooses not to. Now, either the doctor decided, you know, Ruby's in a better place, therefore I shouldn't meddle and I don't need to know for once in his life, or he already knew. Or he, or he think, or he, or he might be gaining that memory back at that moment. Because if you remember, most doctors don't remember necessarily meeting themselves in the past or necessarily be doing everything that their past selves did. But I thought they just lost like when there was overlap with the future. Yeah. Well, well, maybe so, what happened usually. to Jody's doctor was there was tri regeneration into <laughs> Jody, David Tennant, and Ruby, Didn't and Ruby was placed. At the church. Maybe Ruby placed Ruby at the church. It could be Ruby that placed Ruby at the church. Yes. Ruby is her own mother. That I don't think they're going to do that. They've done that already in Red Dwarf with David Lister. I, I just don't know that they would do that again for Doctor Who. That would be kind of I odd. Mean, that wouldn't be them doing it again. They're no, different shows. Well, yeah, no, I get that. But I'm just saying it, it's, it's kind of a sci-fi Wait, trope. Are Red Dwarf... And Doctor Who in the same universe? No, because there's I mean, no aliens. No, there would never be any, you know, sci-fi Actually, are. associated with Doctor Who. They can't the be TARDIS, no, the TARDIS was in an episode of Red Dwarf. Which episode? Um, I don't recall exactly which one, but when you're looking at the Red Dwarf and it's in one of the hangar bays, the TARDIS is literally right there. But and, they, and they literally put it there for a reason, because they wanted to show that they're in the same universe. But there's no aliens in Red Dwarf. Yeah, I, there, are, there are some aliens. There's no, the Gelf. The, yeah, all man-made. Yeah, no. The, the, well, we don't see yeah, any aliens. That doesn't so mean they're not there. Red Dwarf, it, especially back then, they they never did continuity like they do now. You're 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 you're, you're ascribing continuity when it wasn't a thing back then. Not in this sense it is now. I'm just saying, I know, I'm not saying that Red Dwarf has anything to do with Doctor Who. I'm just saying it's a trope in sci-fi that's been used for yeah. time-traveling things yeah. that 
the the and original person do time travel tropes. They're not about that. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm just. I don't know. It. I don't know where it's gonna go. All I know is yeah, that me let's. Either. And I, I'm saying a lot of this in jest. Okay. Oh, I know, yeah. and I think it's better just to sit back and enjoy it and not try and overthink it like every oh, other doctor. I'm gonna overthink. That. Like, that is, <laughs> I I watched Doctor Who for overthinking. So so here's the thing. The fun right now is that we. It's been a long time since we've had so many hooks to go by, which is, you know, just the term. I mean, we have the hooks of who's the mom. We also just like this, we have a new hook of like a new sort of time creature. Like, I, I put the goblins up there with angels, like in this way in which they function. They function on a, a time and do you think they also... I see your point, but they're not as cool. They're not, No, they're not as cool. Angels... <laughs> We but, also have Maverty, which is continued yes, in the story. Yes, Maverty is another thing. That, that <laughs> hook, when I heard that, I was like, it's because at one point, uh, Tennant did start saying, said gravity one more time, but now we're back to it, Maverty. It's, it seems that the doctor is aware that it used to be gravity, but none of the humans are, so he's trying to switch his vernacular to catch up. Yeah. Um, so there, there's just a lot of things going on. And elements again, and, and we've got Mrs. Flood. Flood. Mrs. Flood. Flood is my biggest like because you don't get characters who look at the camera, look at technically us breaking the say, fourth wall, yeah, breaking the fourth wall completely and saying, Well, you've never seen a target before, and then winking like, No, we're all here. This Doctor Who character has become self aware in another sense, and and and, and I, I, I. I was concerned. The villain will be pulling the doctor into the real world. Another red dwarf throw. So, so here's the question. <laughs> How would you feel if Mrs. Flood became the next master? I mean, it's I'd possible. have to know more about her, but like, I feel like... It seems like she's not. Yeah, I no, mean, I don't think she yeah, is, I don't think so I'm because asking. like, like she did seem genuinely surprised about and like, who is this dude with the doctor? Could have been an act. It could have been an act, but you know. I see my my, I, my thing. Or is you know what the other possibility is is that in that moment she didn't know who the doctor was and she didn't know who the TARDIS was. Maybe later on she does. After opening a fob wash. Possibly. Maybe well, maybe possessed. Maybe something. there's a slug in her brain of an alien species that just crawled in there. Maybe all of her memories just flooded back to her. Oh well, dear. Maybe I, she's River Song because you've got Mrs. Like Flood. That. Like that. Good job. I mean, well, her name is Mrs. Flood. That is the, another water reference. So that's another theory that everybody has out there. I don't think it's River Song, though. No, I mean, they kind of wrapped up that, like, her whole regeneration cycle and timeline. Yeah, I agree. But, I mean, let's put it this way. It's going to be fun finding out who Mrs. Flood is. Now, Russell T. Davies oh, did actually... Oh, Harmony Flood... <laughs> <laughs> we do we do know from Russell T Davies that he's asking the question who is she At, in the uh in the behind the scenes so we know that he already has her in mind for what's to come so that should be interesting mm-hmm. um not everybody's happy with the traditional tropes of Doctor Who coming back I'm fine with it I mean it kind of makes sense in a time traveling show mm-hmm. <laughs> No, it, it. I mean, tropes of a series are, I think, like their comfort food. Oh, definitely. So if 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 people are like this, 
Well, we don't like this stuff. Like that, then you don't really care for Doctor Who. Goodbye. I think I think that's a great <clears throat> description of this episode. This yeah. and actually all of these specials have been uh, mm-hmm. very comfort food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and even Murray Gold had his music kind of with the swashbuckling music behind the Doctor and the the mystery behind some of the music. You've got a lot of really good good uh, musical cues in this particular episode that kind of harken back to Eccleston Tennant. Uh, yeah, I hear the Goblin song chop, top the charts in the UK. Yeah, uh, it's, it's very catchy. Uh, I can admit, admit to that. And yeah. who doesn't like singing about eating babies? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's very Monty Python. Jeremy's <laughs> <laughs> having a hard time over here. Sure, sure, ate this one. Jeremy, you look oh. like you're having trouble talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I'm really like. I actually really enjoyed this episode. I, I know some people who had l- felt that it went too campy. But again, I think a who, an average Whovian likes some good camp. Again, it, it's our comfort food. It's our blanket. It's it's our, our nice comfy that we just wear to feel feel a little bit better about the day. Um, not sponsored. Um, that said, it wasn't like the... <laughs> I wouldn't say it was like again perfect either, and if I'm gonna rate this, we've had four. We've now I've had four specials. I, I don't know. Like it's not the worst. It's not the best. And so I keep kind of running around thinking what elements did I feel worked and didn't work. I mean, again, I watched this episode and, and on this viewing, I could tell you I appreciate certain details a whole lot more. I also was able to keep track of when things happened. And I noticed how much more deliberate it actually really felt. The way in which once the uh, the crack healed up and the doctor went downstairs, then he comes up and then boom. I don't know why I didn't realize the lights were gone from the from the wall immediately the first time. The first time I was just trying to like, I was just weirded out with the doctor, but the second time I was able to notice all the details that had changed immediately. Um, it, it, all the camera was very was very careful. That said. I, I, it felt fast in certain ways while not being fast in other ways. So that's it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just constantly in middle of everything here. But again, I loved a lot of it. I think what gets to me the most, and this I blame on BBC, was releasing that first half of the musical, of the musical number. Actually, the whole. Well, the, first, was, like, three quarters. Yeah, three, well, I mean, yeah, first three quarters, but not the end. It, it was everything until the doctor started singing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. That um, actually was the one part that I couldn't really enjoy anymore. Like, it didn't feel... I wasn't surprised by it. Like, I was just waiting to lead up to it. So Yeah, and it was, like, in the middle. Yeah, and so because of that... I But I, I that's a weird thing. Like, I don't want to blame it for that, but because they had released it... They need to just put spoiler warning if you want to come into this episode and right not know what's going to happen right in the middle of it. Don't watch this video um, because that would then I think I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. Beyond that, though, but I can't blame them for that, or can I? I don't know. <laughs> that said, I'm making this an eight point five. I think it was solid. I think it did a good job. I don't. I have certain things I can complain about it, but I also find that it. How do I put it? It's it's work it's it's finding its ground and as I always say to anyone who is 
been with Doctor Who long enough to have a favorite doctor, and it might be their last doctor. It, it's not this time, I, I don't think. But anyone who came in thinking, really looking forward to seeing what the new doctor was, and they might be disappointed for the first ten minutes. I mean, that's how I was from Tenant to Matt Smith. Like, I, I did not like Matt Smith for, like, three solid episodes. Or, not that much. Um, but, you know, it's just one of the things where you kind of kind of look at that and just get used to it. Nowadays, I'm very used to it. I didn't have a problem with that. Yeah, so. um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to uh, go next. Yeah, I, I actually have found this tradition to be exceptionally easy. Yeah. Um, for a number of reasons that I'm sure are obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I agree with a lot of what Jeremy said. I think that this was a very enjoyable episode, very, you know, comfort food type episode. Um, liked the doctor, liked the companion, liked the storyline, except for there was, there was a lot of stuff that was just like magic, which I did enjoy the little conversation where Ruby pointed out that that's just basically magic, but it was like there was just continuously throughout it, like yeah. a lot of things that just 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 were not explained. Like the doctor being able yeah. to like yeah. learn to read a language that was written in knots, that I could get behind. Um, there being some sort of you know accident-based magic that lets you travel through time and have a ship that's just a bunch of boards and and ropes tied randomly mm-hmm. could you know. Flight time or different physics. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of reminded me of the, the Shakespeare Code uh, one with David Tennant and Martha, where it was just like, oh, it's okay. They just use words instead of numbers, and magic makes sense, and it's science. Like, <laughs> there, there was a little bit of that element of that and that. But, you know, I would say, on the whole, this yeah. was, you know, relatively average episode, and it's so, so refreshing, such a relief to be back to you know, this being the average. Um, but I'm going to give this one a 7 out of 10. All right. So I, I agree with a lot of what's been said here. But you know what? I think this was just fun. This was a fun romp. You know, I, I wasn't. we weren't going to go really serious. We weren't taking ourselves too seriously, especially when we didn't deserve it, like in the Chibnall era. Um, and I liked that it felt it felt breezy. I don't mind them leaning into more fantasy. I think um, the true magic of the TARDIS is that you can set up kind of just about any sort of show that you want it to be, um, you know, in the next episode if you want to. Um, I, I would prefer if they didn't lean into just calling another physics, trying to make it mathy, or trying to explain things when the explanations clearly don't make much sense. Um, but I don't mind that they're getting a little bit loose with it. Um, I, I don't love, uh, well, well, I love the chemistry between, um, the two main characters. I don't love that it's overtly seems like a bit of a romantic kind of overtone toward, towards it. Or, and if it's not, it's a little bit like, will they, won't they kind of teasing that I think, you know, Doctor Who likes to do too much. Um... But I enjoyed this. I thought the goblins um, were great characters. Uh, I liked the vibes of them, even though they weren't spotlighted a whole lot. Um, and I thought this was a great reboot. Uh, I think Jeremy hit the no- nose on the head pretty well. Um, I- I'm also going to give this one an 8.5 out of 10. Michael. 
Well, one thing I'll say is that the Christmas special is back, and the Chibnall era unfortunately completely destroyed that option, making it into a New Year's Eve special, which made no sense whatsoever, because nobody ever watched it anyway. Um, so I have to give a bonus point, one point, uh, just for having a Christmas special. And another bonus point goes into, into fruition because this actually felt more Christmassy than some of the actual Christmas episodes. There's definitely, I mean, you start off with Carol of the Bells, which is one of my all-time favorites. And it has a little bit darker tones to that song, which kind of work for a darker toned idea, where the goblins are coming down and taking the child that has just been uh, rescued by the church. Um, And you have a church. I mean, that's kind of cool. You have a church that actually is in Doctor Who, and it's 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 a positive thing, and it's actually kind of nice to, to see that Ruby gets rescued. And no Crefeus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I will say that the goblins themselves are absolutely ludicrous, and I would not say they're anywhere in my top 25 to 35 characters or entities or aliens or whatever you want to call them. Um, and so that for me was a kind of a distraction. Um, and I will also say that this particular story, like I said before, the direction was a little bit weird in, in parts and I think it improved on my second viewing. Um, but there was some parts where I'm just like, what am I watching? What, what are we doing now? One thing that they did do right, and I don't think I we have mentioned it, was when Ruby disappears. They they switch the tone with um, her mother, and unfortunately I can't remember her mother's name. Um, and Mrs. Sunday, and Cherry, and Cherry Sunday, um, completely on its head. And she's no longer interested in children. She she can't really stand them, but she gets the money from them. And that's really dark and really kind of it's it's really sad to watch that particular like plot line. Real. And I really think that was um that could have been explored a little bit more possibly because um the j- absolute sheer joy the doctor has in resurrecting Ruby that also is very big, like, nod to Christopher Eccleston saying, everybody lives! Uh, David Tennant says it, too, at one point. But it's just, I like that aspect of it. Um, I'm going to give this particular story a 6.5 out of 10. I think it was decent. It was very solid. There were some great moments, and there were some okay moments. Um, I definitely loved having uh, the Doctor and Ruby be characters that I'm interested in watching again. And I do agree, this was fun. And that's it. All right, well, I'll talk to you guys next time. See you next year. Happy holidays. Goodbye. <laughs>